Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Halloween special of Second Take Cinema, coming to you from spooky South End on Sea at the Impala Films headquarters. As always, I'm your host, Jamie Evans, joined by Mr. Rory Jocelyn. And today, today, we finish this journey we embarked on uh, into the universe of the David Gordon Green uh, Halloween timeline as we take a second take. At Halloween ends. So today we're watching Halloween Ends, which is the final film in the David Gordon Green trilogy. In its timeline, it is the fourth and final film, because obviously that includes the original 1978 movie. This movie was released in 2002. It is directed by David Gordon Green, co-written by Green, Danny McBride, and Paul Brad Logan. Uh, it is the 13th installment in the Halloween franchise. Halloween made it to 13 before Friday the 13th did. That's hilarious. Uh, and it stars Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matichak. Uh, Matichak, I think that's how that's pronounced. Rohan Campbell, Will Patton, Kyle Richards, and James Jude Courtney. It was made for a budget of $33 million and grossed $105.4 million. So still successful, but the least successful of the David Gordon Green trilogy, uh, which partially has to do with the fact that this film was released on streaming on the same day that it was released in theatres. Yeah. Um, so going down to look at its reception, so the film did underperform what they were predicting uh, and that has been blamed by the production company on the fact that it was released to streaming the same day. Universal reported it was the most watched film ever on their streaming platform See, in its, its opening weekend. Yeah, so I, imagine, I, I wonder if uh, they amalgamated the, the stream plus the box office, what the numbers would look like then. But Yeah, the studio also reported that the film was... Um, the film was streamed almost exclusively by people between the ages of 18 and 34, with only 26% of the audience being over 35. So what you would imagine to be that long-term Halloween fans. Yeah, which this film is not what's ended at. <laughs> what, what, what it, this is not a slasher movie as such. We'll get there. Um, its critical response was not great. Uh, it holds an approval rating of 40% on Rotten Tomatoes with an average rating of 5.1 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, Halloween ends, for now anyway, with a frequently befuddling instalment that's stabbed, slashed and beaten by a series of frustratingly missed opportunities. Um, audiences on CinemaScore gave it an average grade of C+. Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times gave it 1.5 out of 4 stars. Wow. Writing, the so-called finale of the Michael Myers saga is just stabbing, metaphors, stabbing, soap opera, stabbing, marching band bullies, stabbing, and more stabbing. I like that. I mean, <laughs> I will argue one thing on his review there. It's stabbing, this, stabbing, this, stabbing, this. That's a slasher film. Yeah. What? But it's... Fucking going back to the first Halloween. It to to exactly be fair, deep fucking yeah, lore, was to, it? to be fair, I'm fairly certain Richard Roper is never very high on horror films, if I remember right. I mean, fine if it's not his jam. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you can't have a go at a genre. It's like looking at sci-fi and there's loads of futuristic shit in this. So, well, what did you expect? I know. 
Uh, writing for Variety, Owen Gleiberman said the film is neither scary nor fun and called it the most joylessly metaphorical and convoluted entry of the franchise. Ben Travis of Empire gave a negative review, calling the film lost up its own abyss and an unsatisfying closing chapter, criticising David Gordon Green's direction as struggling to synthesise the serious stuff with the demands of a popcorn shocker. In his review for The Hollywood Reporter, David Rooney called it a sloppy movie whose principal new inspiration feels bogus, although horror fans may enjoy the homages to other films from the Carpenter canon. Um, and over on RogerEbert.com, Brian Tallarico gave it 1.5 out of 4 stars and said he found the film poorly executed, rushed, and barely a Halloween movie due to the story's focus on newly introduced characters and considered Rohan Campbell's performance to be especially lacking. We'll talk about that later because I'm not sure I agree with that. Mm. Uh, it did get some positive reviews, however. Um, K. Austin Collins from Rolling Stone deemed, it, deemed Halloween ends to be the best of the Gordon Green Halloween trilogy, noting its interestingly complex tangle of emotions and fears, and comparing it to Green's previously capably, capably observed independent movies. The New York Times reviewed the film as being a movie that's less frantic and more intimate than its predecessor, one that unfolds with a mourning finality. And Time Out, also reviewing the film positively, gave it a three-star review, calling it a pleasant surprise. Um, and in general, there's a lot of people not happy that there's no Michael Myers in this movie. Yeah, uh, basically. Or oh, barely, barely any Michael Myers in this film. Yeah, all right. So, uh, as always, ladies and gentlemen, there will be spoilers ahead, uh, both for this film and lots of other films in the Halloween franchise. Uh, this, much like the first two films in our Halloween uh, spooktacular, um, I chose this film because i've seen it before i went to the cinema to see it last year rory had never seen it and i wanted to see what he thought about the david gordon green trilogy as someone who hasn't been exposed to all the halloween sequels i was also very interested to do this one because i know that it was very divisive mm. um i remember seeing this in the cinema and have you ever been in the cinema rory and the film isn't good or the film is not to everyone's taste and you can feel the audience turning against the film. Right. Um, that's what seeing Mother was like for me a few years ago. We'll do Mother at some point. Um, that had been marketed completely wrong, like completely incorrectly that had been marketed. It had been marketed like a horror movie. It isn't. Um, so it was a horror movie audience that turned up to watch it and were given a non-horror movie, so they turned against it. Halloween Kills was much the same thing. All of the marketing, all of the posters, the posters, you probably saw them because they were on the side of all the buses in South End with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers standing back to back. Mm. And it literally just said ENDS in great big letters. Um, and I think the taglines, it was all stuff like their final battle or something like that or their final confrontation. All of the trailers were. It does include their final. It does. All of the trailers were made from footage from that final battle sequence. Yeah. But most of the film is not that. Yeah. So, to be fair, I understand why people were pissed. Because this film was deliberately mismarketed. Yeah. However, let's step back from that. Let's forget the marketing for a minute. Coming at this film fresh like you are, having just seen, for the first time, Halloween 2018 and Halloween Kills. Yep. How do you feel this film fits in as part of that franchise, first of all, of this trilogy? Hmm. See, I don't know. I'm kind of split on it. That's, and this is someone who isn't into slasher films, who isn't into Halloween whatsoever. Whenever, as I say, I only saw the first one last year because of you, mm. and I've only seen these three because of this. Um, and I've got no, no knowledge whatsoever about Halloween 2 to whatever the hell it goes up to before this. Um, so, but I do see that, I, again, it's, it's very clear why this would be a divisive film for a franchise. Because I can imagine that if I'd come to this and it was a Star Trek film, I'm a big fan of Star Trek, if, if people didn't know, um, and they did something like this, I think I'd like it because I'm going to spoil something now. I actually like this film. Mm. Um, I like it when films do something they dare to be different, certainly within a, an established franchise. I always give major props for that. Um, but there are a lot of people in, uh, in fandoms who like things to be stuck in a very particular way. Yeah. This film doesn't stick to a rigid slasher format. 
Uh, yes, there is, as though some of those reviews stated, there is some drama in there. There is some romance in, in, in a very kind of light, absurd way. But there is some romance. There is, you know, other elements that make this film something else. There's a tragedy element to it as well, of course, uh, with the main, with the, main yeah, the main male actor. So, but those aren't the things that people come to a slasher for. They're certainly not the things that the first Halloween was about. Um, I think this is better than the second one. I think the second one is the weakest of the trilogy by a long, long country mile. The direction in this one, cinematography, was a lot better. It was not quite as good as the first film because the first film had kind of a really cool style to the way they lit it mm. that isn't in this, but the camera choices, like the, where the camera is positioned is as well considered as it was in Halloween 2018. I just think the lighting lets it down. It's not quite as colourful. Uh, that may be a different cinematographer, or it may just be where they've decided to do something a bit different um, and make it a little bit more standardised. Everything's a little mm. bit more plainly Naturalistic. Lit. Yeah, and I like the overt colourful lighting in 2018. Um, I don't know what to say, really, uh, until we get into more of the meat of it, but... Mm. I think this film is a really great movie. I'm not sure. I think some people might... I think people, a lot of people might have enjoyed the film more as its own film rather than as a Halloween movie. Mm. Um, and again, as someone who does not give a single stuff about Halloween as a franchise, yeah, uh, doesn't bother me. Really enjoyed the movie. Yeah. But if all you want is big man stabby stab, then yeah, you're going to hate it. I think the big problem is, and I don't know why they don't learn from their past mistakes, the problem is this is the last film, in theory. In actual fact, they're already talking about more Halloween movies. Yeah. However, they've been very clear that there will not be any more by David Gordon Green, there will not be any more by with Jamie Lee Curtis in it, and there will not be any more produced by Bloomhouse. Bloomhouse, actually, this was a limited contract. When they finished Halloween Ends, the rights reverted back to Malik Akkad. Right. So Bloomhouse don't have the rights to Halloween anymore. Right. They signed a trilogy, a deal to have the rights for three films. I mean, that's probably a smart move because there's always a law of diminishing returns. Yeah. Um, the problem the, is... The, the way that most slashers kept their money rolling in yeah. was to reduce the budget from sequel to sequel so that the comparative lower intake would still re reveal Be profitable. profits. Yeah. The problem is... because. Much like yourself, I'm someone who, when you've got a franchise that's got, you know, 10 films in it, I don't care if a couple of them try something new. No. My problem is when it's the last one that tries something new. Yeah. That's not, this is not the place to be doing this story. This should have been Halloween 2018. Yeah. The, 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 I'll talk a bit more later about I, how I, I feel this trilogy was made in the you, wrong order. You told me that you think you thought this should have been first before we watched it. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. Yeah. Because Friday the 13th made the same mistake when they made in 1993 when they made Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday. Much like this, Jason Goes to Hell the final Friday is a film that only, it's, you know, a two hour film that Jason is only in 10 minutes of. Yeah. Uh, Jason dies right at the beginning of the movie. He is blown to bits by grenades. Yeah. And then what that film is about is Jason's spirit hops from person to person. Right, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily work, but at least they tried something new. And what that results in is when Jason finally resurrects at the end of the film, it's like this big happy moment where you're like, fuck yeah, Jason's back. Um why are you doing that in the last movie? Yeah. I'll tell you why you're doing it in the last movie, because the box office has dropped enough that you now feel comfortable taking the risk. You should have took the risk earlier. Yeah, at the very least with this story, uh, so the main story isn't about Jason, uh, not Jason, Michael, Michael same difference. Uh, <laughs> just to upset all of the Halloween and uh, Friday the 13th fans. No, um, this isn't really about Michael, though he is in it. Uh, it's about, what was the kid's name? Corey. Corey. This guy called Corey, who, when he's sort of late teens, early 20s, he's a he's goes and looks after this family's kid Bratty on Halloween. Kid. Yeah, really shitbag kid. Who, to be honest, deserves to die. Uh, <laughs> and accidentally, when the kid locks him in the attic, uh, kicks the door open, doesn't know that the kid is on the other side, hits the kid, the kid drops down through several flights of stairs and splats to death 
on the floor mm. of the hallway as his parents walk in. Which is a phenomenal piece of editing. Yes, it's that really feels, well done. Like, you don't actually really see anything, but that feels so impactful. Yeah, no, it absolutely works. Um, and the thing is, so we follow him, uh, I think about two or three years after that event. Four. Four years after that event. Uh, and everyone in the town is kind of uh, is ostracized because he's the guy who killed a kid and got away with it yeah. because it was clearly an accident, but nobody cares about the fact of that. It's, uh, you know, he killed a kid. It's his fault. He was in charge. Yeah. Um, I suppose you could call it neglect, but the kid was an arsehole, deserved to die. The, the uh, idea being, because <laughs> what we then learn is that in this four-year gap between the end of Halloween Kills and now, Michael Myers has gone missing. Yes. And basically what, what my interpretation was is what the idea here is, is because in Kills, the town worked themselves up into this mob mentality, didn't they? Yeah. Where they were so afraid and they were like, okay, we've got to do this. Um, because they never got a satisfying conclusion to that because Michael just disappears. Yep. That rage and that corruption has been simmering under the surface. And they've been looking for someone to take it out on. And they take it out on him. Yeah. Now, this is what my other suggestion was going to be. Because you said this should have been the first of the trilogy. But you understand why they didn't do that. Because financially you can't. Yeah, you need to bring Jason back full. Michael. Yes. Full frontal Michael. Jason Myers. I don't want him full thrown off. <laughs> but I know what you mean. But yeah, which, okay, then this, if you've already negotiated that your contract is a trilogy and you know that's all you've got, make this the second one. Because actually it would have made a better build because Halloween Kills was a bit pants. What they could have done is done the first film as it was. Halloween 2018 stays as is. Halloween uh, Kills, or which would have been this film, just switch titles, who gives a shit. Halloween Kills would have been the story of this guy and at the end, he's like he he finds Michael Myers, who's in hiding. He tries to, you know, he gets suckered in to all of this. And at the end, he murders their daughter, like um, yeah. Corey, Jimmy, yeah, Laurie, Laurie, Corey. Everyone's got anyway. <laughs> we we'll call him Mike Corey or something. Uh, but anyway, they he he ends up being the one who murders them, or because of him, the daughter gets murdered by yeah. Michael Myers. That would have been a cool ending for this. This guy, Corey, dies, but he's been the vessel in which... Because that also builds up the fact that there's this bubbling under the surface of the fear of Return of Michael Myers. Yeah. And then by the, the time you get to the ends yeah. and you start doing the mob mentality story, you've actually already cemented in that people are waiting to become a mob. They're just waiting yeah. for the... the they're, just, they're, they're already lit, covered in oil. Yeah. They're waiting for the lit match to actually set them yeah. off. The the big the biggest problem with this trilogy is it can't decide what it wants to be. We've already talked before about how the biggest strength of the original is how effortlessly it walks the line of is Michael Myers a human or is he a supernatural force? Yeah. Is he evil incarnate? The problem with this trilogy is it can't pick which one it wants to do, but it doesn't do a good job of balancing them. It is said multiple times throughout the trilogy that Michael gets power from killing, right? Yeah. Therefore, Michael should be at his weakest in 2018 yeah. when he's gone 40 years without killing anybody. Yeah, yeah. But he's perfectly strong in that one. Yeah. And then in this one, he's he's been hiding in a sewer for some reason for four years. Yeah. For and no he's reason. Because a kitten. Yeah. But it makes no sense as well. But it's kind of awkward. Maybe they should have. See, I really like Halloween 2018, so I don't think I'd want to change it. No, I know. Um, but to be honest, I don't think you need kills and ends. I actually think just original Halloween and Halloween 2018, and just, yeah, Michael burns to death at the end. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a perfectly fine duology of films. It does. But with this film, I do like this film. I like this film a lot better than Halloween Kills. Mm. Halloween Kills was fine, but it's just a mindless fucking stabby yeah. stab but movie. My, my thing is... Which is, I'm sure yeah. what people want from Halloween, because let's be honest... Horrors are mine. These sort of slashes, they're, they're often for people who don't actually give a shit about quality of story. They're there for the gore. Mm. Um, and maybe that's just my misinterpretation because I'm 
sniffing my own farts watching sci-fis, which yeah. are half the time brainless despite thinking they're smart. Yeah. Um, but at the same token, like from what I've seen, a lot of these, and from what you've told me about these films, the Jason movies, and even Nightmare on Elm Street, which is at least a bit more inventive. Oh, Elm Street, I think, even, is a lot smarter. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, they're not smart films. It, like even they've, You've even told me that, like, not all of them, but as the series has gone on, they get dumber and dumber. Oh yeah, all franchises do. But that's man. that's the point. Like people can still buy into them, mm. and they would like, for example, someone who would hate this film would still probably defend to death Halloween Eight. Yeah, and that's probably dumb as a box of rocks. But oh, Halloween Eight, is... I don't know which one. <laughs> Halloween Eight is Halloween Resurrection, which is Buster Rhymes versus Michael Myers. So it's dumb as so a box of rocks. Awful. Yeah. So that was a guess, and it was absolutely spot on. <laughs> hey, it's... Mikey, you fried chicken motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That is an actual line. Uh, he goes, you looking a little crispy there, Mikey. <laughs> he calls him Mikey all the time. And it's like, you want to take all the fear of your villain yeah. now. Just have someone keep, have a fucking rapper it's like, it, keep calling him Mikey. That just sounds like something Marvel would write with their amount of yeah. bathos in it. But my, you've got to stop with the word of the day toilet I li- paper. I like bathos. It's a good word. So my, this is my thing. They clearly... So in, in Halloween Kills, Jamie Lee Curtis has that line where she says, I think he gets stronger the more people he kills. That is almost confirmed in this one. Because when Michael gets his first kill in this, which is assisted by Corey... Mm. You see him like physically regain power health. up, yeah. like yeah, it's he's like an RPG. Going Super Saiyan, yeah, he's <laughs> like, like yeah. Goku being like, ah, I was expecting Koi to be like, it's over nine thousand, um, and that's cool. That's a great idea. Fine, if you're going to do that though, we've now confirmed he's supernatural. And that's fine. Have him be supernatural. Your final film in your great big series should be Michael at full strength, which should, which is Michael at Halloween Kills. Yeah, like he's an unstoppable monster in that, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, which is why this and like I, I know you said this should have been film one, but I actually think this should have been film two. Well, yeah, and I, Kills should have been film three. So I actually think parts of this should have been film one. Like it's not literally as simple as just move this. Sorry, it's not sim. It's not as simple as just move this to film one. There are certain elements that I would cut out and move around as well. All right. So I would have it start with um, the town is. So I would have it be because you you have to start with Michael in the. No, you don't. You don't have to start with Michael in the asylum because that is not how Halloween 1978 ends. No, because he's not captured. He disappears. Yeah. So you could start with this film where he's been hiding for years. Yeah. And Um, he comes back full strength, gets arrested... I wouldn't even have him arrested. I'd cut all that. No, it's much scarier if he never gets caught. Okay. Because that just feeds into this, is he a man or is he a ghost? The, the problem is this film can't pick what it wants to do because then at the end, the whole point is now nah, you're just a man. We can just kill you with knives. Like, yeah. is it just me or was did you think that was a really anticlimactic end to Michael Myers? It was. I think what they should have done, and again, this is all very easy to do in retrospect and not actually in the process of making the damn film. Oh, yeah, fair play but, to these people. They've made a film yeah, yeah. which is hard as fuck to do. But, honestly... If you were looking at potentially continuing a Halloween franchise, but having that climactic end fight between Corey, uh, not sorry, between Laurie and Michael Myers, mm. you have Michael Myers at full strength. You have him have this sick desire to almost reproduce by influencing someone else to become him. Yeah. And that's when he takes Corey under his mantle, like he does in this film. Yeah, because Corey turning on Michael comes out of nowhere. Yeah, he just wants the mask and he just decides to... Yeah, but there should be that point where he's trained Corey up and Corey's like, I can outdo you now. Mm. And he loses that... And it's like, Corey, Michael Myers is like seven feet tall. You're like five two at best. (laughs) He's not that short, but still, I see your point. Um, Either way... What's a face is taller than him? Oh, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alison, Andy Matichak's character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's probably tall anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah. My point is, Michael's taller than him then, because oh, yeah, you see yeah. it when they fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, 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 th- I think he should have... Honestly, it should have been the end of Michael Myers, yeah. as it seems to be from the way they filmed it. Yeah. There should have been that massive battle between Michael Myers... I, I did like the twist, though, of um, Corey killing himself in order to ruin... 
Laurie's that's relationship. Evil. That's brilliant evil, but it doesn't go anywhere because it's undone within five minutes. Yeah. That whole ending fight feels tacked on, doesn't yeah. it? But that would have been a really cool way to end Michael Myers in mm. that it's like, you know, if I can't kill you, yeah. then I'll kill everything you care about yeah. by killing himself and making Alison think that she's a murderer now yeah. and that she's caught the Michael Myers sort of madness. Yeah. And leave it with that. Leave it that yeah. the family is now split. Yeah. And then... You ha- and then, like, now Michael Myers is dead, dead. The only thing that can kill Mike Myers is himself. Yeah. He kills himself, Hitlerizes himself. Well, he did. And he, then- did the, he did the love guru and it destroyed his career. <laughs> Different Michael Myers, I think. Uh, or is it? it can you imagine could if you imagine it ruining the tension though like michael myers turns up do you remember the bit in the original when he comes you pull in off and his class and he just goes yeah baby yeah. yeah thank you for ruining my joke oh sorry you do the joke no it's too late now let's move on oh go on i feel move bad on. i didn't know you were going for that i was gonna do the bit love guru i was gonna do the bit after he's killed bob in the original and he comes in in the ghost sheet with the glasses oh. on and the girl pulls the top down and goes um see anything you like he pulls off and just goes yeah baby yeah <laughs> my mojo's working baby <laughs> but yeah i think dr my- dr loomis should have a mini me yes and then that's gone full circle because dr evil is based on blofeld yeah isn't he yep. who played blofeld donald pleasance who plays dr loomis there you go there you go, it comes full circle. That's the, that's the way of life. Anyway. But yeah, basically, Michael Myers should have been the only person who could kill Michael Myers. He kills himself in a final mega act of evil to ruin Laurie's life. The only way that he's got left. Oh, so you think Michael should have killed himself, not Corey? Yeah. Or you mean Corey is Michael at no. this point? Michael kills himself okay. to fuck up Laurie in the most devastating way. Okay. And then... Corey is left to become the new Michael Myers. I see. Because the thing is, you can only bring back Nick Castle so much before he literally dies in real life. Well, to be fair, Nick Castle doesn't play him for most of this no, no, trilogy. But my James Stewart po- Courtney does. My point is, we all know Michael Myers is getting too old. Certainly if you're going to keep casting Jamie Lee Curtis, who yeah. is visibly getting older, because we actually see her face for the well, most part. This is one of the reasons I don't like how often you see Michael's face in this trilogy. Yeah. I like the idea that Michael isn't ageing. Okay. But I'm not going to lie. But well, that goes I, into the supernatural side, thing, which I, this was I'm not going to lie. I, like, I prefer the first one where it's toying it. Yeah. But if you have to confirm, which this one ultimately does confirm he's a mortal man, yeah. I would have gone the other way. I personally am always a fan of confirming their supernatural. Okay. I think it's much scarier. And I, I've always thought of Michael Myers as more or less supernatural. But that's why I would like the idea. If we were going to go with he's mortal enough to die... Mm. Then the go evil with lives on. yeah. The evil lives on in Corey, but not only that, he th- that the only one who can actually kill him in the end is himself. Yeah, because that way, Laurie doesn't get the kill. Also stops her being a murderer. Yeah, which you know so, is canonically the thing that you would want to keep. I would have thought. Well, I did speak to a fellow filmmaker of ours, um, but again, about I'm this film. Yeah, I'm, I just want to convey. I'm definitely talking about this as someone who's not a fan of Halloween yeah. generally. So I'm not talking for fans. Well, no, that's the thing. It's all opinion, isn't it? Mm. And fan, sometimes fans don't know what they want, like we've said before. Yeah. I I was talking to a fellow filmmaker of ours about this film, and he really likes this film, and he said he has one big problem with it. And that big problem is that Jamie Lee Curtis survives the movie. Yeah. He, he felt that Laurie and Michael should kill each other. Yeah. Um, and I thought that's what they were going to do because you get that bit, don't you, where she's killed him and he's bleeding out and then he grabs her by the throat. Yeah. And she's like, which is really cool. And he just pulls that knife out of his yeah, hand. Yeah, and he splits his hand yeah. open. Yeah. And she's going, do it, do it. And you get those flashbacks to not only the David Gordon Green trilogy, but the original. Yeah. And the music. And to be honest... That's when she should have died. It kind of feels like that was the ending, and then they showed it to a test audience, and the test audience went, no, we want a happy ending. Because it really does feel tacked on that Alison runs back in, and it's like, no, I won't let you die, even though I hated you literally 20 seconds ago. Yeah, the ending doesn't know what to do with itself. and That's That's the ultimate problem with this film. Uh, Which is why, Despite the fact that it's got a really interesting story, I really like the story of Corey. Mm. Uh, that's a horrible rhyming thing I didn't mean to do. Uh, but yeah, I didn't mind his performance. Let's talk about the fact that that guy in that review that we read said that his performance was really bad. I thought he did really well. I thought Rohan Campbell was fine. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I felt 
at all time. I remember watching it in the cinema, and I always felt on edge. Like they managed to get someone who felt believably like both a nerd and a psychopath, yeah. which is hard to do. A lot of the times, it feels like a. Uh, it, a lot of times, you'll watch it, and it will be like, say, I don't know. I don't know, like Willem Dafoe, because he's good at playing psychopaths. Yeah. It'll look like you've cast him to play a psycho and he's just pretending to be a nerd. Yeah. Or it'll look like you've hired a nerd and they're pretending to be a psycho and they're not really getting there. Yeah. This guy managed to do both, I felt. Having said that, though, nerd who is also a psychopath, Hannibal Lecter. He's yeah. a nerd. Hmm? Hannibal Lecter's got to be a nerd. Uh, yes, not he's not a geeky nerd. Oh, no, I see what a, you mean. He's not a gawky teenage <laughs> That would be a weird version of Hannibal Lecter. Isn't that technically Hannibal Rising? I've uh, never seen Hannibal Rising. Oh, I haven't but seen it either. That's either. Hannibal as a teenager, isn't it? Ronald Gould. With <laughs> Gaspar Uliel in it. Damn it, Mom, I'll eat your brain later if you're not being nice to me. It's <laughs> got to give him a proper Chad voice for yeah. some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, this film, I have so many weird feelings to this film because I don't hate the film. I just think it's a completely brainless decision to make this the final in the trilogy. Yeah, it doesn't fit in the series where it's placed. It's a great film, a great idea, or a great film idea, should I say. We've already mentioned there's some execution problems. But, yeah. Uh, but... It is a... I would... I, I think this is a good addition to Halloween... But as a finale to your big bad monster, it doesn't feel right. I would, f- I understand the disappointment people had um, as fans. Though, I mean, you've told me before that Halloween has ended a few times. This is not its first finale. Oh, they, they have permanently killed Michael Myers. Hang on very quickly, I'll do the count. So he permanently dies at the end of Halloween 2, where he gets blown to pieces. Yep, which is why Halloween 3 was completely different. Yeah. Then they resurrect him with barely a scar on him. Mm. He, he is then killed again permanently at the end of Halloween H2O. But that made so much money that they greenlit Halloween Resurrection, which um, he... Uh, the, the way they get out of that <laughs> is they retcon the ending of it. At the end of Halloween H2O, Jamie Lee Curtis beheads Michael Myers. She pins him to a tree trunk with a van. So he's like trapped at the waist mm-hmm. and chops his head off with an axe, right? At the beginning of Resurrection, they flash back to that and go, but minutes after the credits rolled... <laughs> We went and unmasked him, and it was the wrong man. Michael Myers had put his mask on an innocent bystander and crushed the bystander's larynx so they couldn't tell anyone. And you're like... That's a reach. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, they, they have ended this franchise a few times. So, out of all the endings of the franchise... Yeah. Which is... Not necessarily what you think is the best ending, though you can bring that into it as well. What is generally considered by fans to be the best finale to or the series? I, I don't think there is a consensus on that, to be fair. For me personally, um, I'm going to pick an ending where Michael does die, but the true answer is the best ending is the first ending. Michael being shot six times, going over that balcony. Donald Pleasance goes and looks over the balcony. Michael's gone. Jamie Lee Curtis just starts crying because she knows he's still out there. And then we just get those static shots of all the locations that we've been to in the film. And all we can hear is... While the starts to play. That's the best ending to any of the individual films. But picking an actual ending for Michael Myers, I think the best one, to be honest, is probably Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2. That is set in a hospital on the same night as the original Halloween. Michael chases them down to the hospital, and the way they beat him is... um, She's already blinded one of his eyes, hasn't she, in the first film? Yeah. She sticks him with the coat hanger. Yes. They stick a... I think it's a syringe they stab his other eye with. So they blind him. Right. 
and they're in a room that's got gas tanks everywhere. And Michael, there's this really cool-looking effect. Oh, no, they must stab him in both eyes again because he's got blood running down the mask out of his eye holes. Right. So it looks like he's crying blood, which is a really cool-looking really cool effect. effect yeah. And he's just swinging blindly because he can't see them anymore. Mm. And to distract him, they're turning the gas valves on. Right. So it makes the noise. Yeah. Um, and Donald Pleasance, uh, Dr. Loomis, gets Jamie Lee Curtis out of the room and sacrifices his own life to kill Michael, lets the room fill with gas, and he turns his lighter on, blows them both up. Jamie Lee Curtis just makes it out of the hospital in time, and all these police and EMTs turn up, and they're like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And just for one last scare, because you have to have one, fucking Michael walks out of the fire like the fucking Terminator in T1 mm. when it comes out of the lorry that's on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for, you get this moment of fucking hell, nothing can kill this man. And then he drops down dead. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Loomis is gone. Because here's the other problem. They don't just bring Michael back in Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. They bring Loomis back with a little burn on his cheek. And go, yes, he survived. The, when I tell you the room explodes in a ball of flame, <laughs> there is no way this man gets one little burn on his cheek. He was immolated. Like, a bit like Demolition Man when he's running through buildings and then you see the whole building, all the flames come out all the windows and as the flames engulf him, he's just going, yeah. as he runs in slow motion and then he's on the floor and it's like his hat's a bit singed and you're like, mate, mate, yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. So this film, let, let's talk about this film. Let's take it out of the context of the Halloween franchise for a minute. Okay. Because I think we're in agreement that it's not a good ending to a franchise. No. And it's not good, just for any filmmakers who are listening, um, it's never good when you deliberately mislead your audience with your marketing. No. You, I know you always think it's going to end well. It never ends yeah. well. All you do is piss off your audience, who then go and tell everyone else not to watch your film. Yeah. I remember, so I kind of knew what was up with Halloween Ends, because I obviously, I saw it the day it came out, but I had work that day. Um, I say I saw it the day it came out, I saw it the day after. Because it came out on like Thursday night previews. Right. And then I went to see it on the Friday night, I think it was. Which was its main opening night. Yes. I was at work that day, and during my lunch break, I'm scrolling through Instagram, and I start seeing all these reviews for Halloween. And I'm not reading the reviews, but I'm seeing it's getting really low scores. And I'm like, okay, well, it's a slasher film that happens. Mm. Especially from mainstream critics. They've never treated slasher as a very good genre. No. Um, even the original Halloween, like, I think it's critical reevaluation came later. Yeah, yeah. I don't... That I, happens I, a lot I, with sci-fis as well. Blade it, Runner was slammed when it came out. It, I it think, happens yeah. with a lot of genre stuff, because yeah. critics think genre is for low... Low IQ idiots, and it's not. And it's drama generally gets overinflated when it comes out, but it's not generally remembered as much. Unless no, it's a particularly strong drama. Yeah, but... it's it's ridiculous. It's yeah, it's people wanting, and we we know this. We know people who are like this. I'm not going to name any names, but we know people. We meet people in our career who are exactly like this. Yeah, where they 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 just want to seem smarter than everyone else, even if they're not. So they'll sit there and be like, "Yes, leg legitimately, my favorite movie of all time is this four-hour Belgian movie where absolutely nothing happens for four hours, and then right at the end, this one." and stabs a man i just felt like it was a very real representation of um i don't know fucking bored yeah. domestic life yet yeah, guess what you haven't got a movie yeah it's why jarhead's garbage have you ever seen jarhead no i'm i will never watch jarhead again like it's, it's not even worth watching on this show that's it's what i a, think a man is still it's an afghanistan war film with jake gyllenhaal in it who's usually a very good actor um, he joins the army, goes to Afghanistan, nothing happens, then nothing happens, then nothing happens, then he starts to hallucinate a bit, and then nothing happens. And the whole point of the film is it's about the tedium of war, because apparently in Afghanistan, they train all these men to be killing machines, but in the Afghanistan war, there was a lot of just waiting around, apparently. Yeah. Because by now, technology's got good enough that you don't send soldiers in, you just call in an airstrike. Yeah. 
um, or something. It was it was so dull. If the point of your movie is nothing happens, you don't have a movie. I'm sorry, and I'm being really opinionated now. And yeah, I don't deserve to be. I made fucking Candy Heart, one of the worst movies that's ever been made. But fuck it. It's not edited together yet. You no, might salvage it. We know it's one of the... You Stop. think Bowl could have made a better film oh, than Candy no, Heart. No, now I won't have that, Jamie. Postal. No one is that bad. Postal is a better no, movie than Candy Heart. No, it's Heart. not. Postal got J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Do we have J.K. Simmons? Yeah, po- J.K. Simmons came because there was money. Yeah. Did Candy anyway. Heart have money? Yeah, 20 grand. Yeah, but it didn't have... <laughs> Which probably is what J.K. Simmons gets paid for an hour of his time. Yeah, exactly. It's, I could have put J.K. Simmons in it for one hour. Well, you've got a scene still to I, film. I would literally, I'd literally have just had him be the new, I would have had him be the newspaper editor. <laughs> that would <laughs> have been awesome. I, I literally would have done a joke where she's like, "I'm trying to do this," because he's obviously telling her not to investigate the drugs, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would, and he's going focus on local matters. I'd have had him go focus on local matters. You know, do uh, uh people don't care about this. They want pie contest. They want pictures of Spider Man. What? Nothing. I didn't say anything. <laughs> pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> Bring me pictures of Spider Man. Just have it as a one-off comment. <laughs> Yeah. And he never returns to it. Pictures of Spider Man. Uh, yeah. Anyway, if you're gonna um, get if you're gonna get a celeb for it, that's the one you go for. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. Taking it out of the Halloween franchise and looking at this as just a movie on its own, mm. it has some strong points. The opening is very strong. Yes. It's a. I rem, I was in the cinema and the moment that kid's head bounces off the hardwood floor, it's a hard bounce. The whole audience were like. <gasps> Like yeah, that. I'm wondering if the puppet's head was a basketball. It bounced fucking well. Um, I think <laughs> I think it's two different shots. I think it's a puppet when they drop it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when its head bounces up in the close-up, I think that is the actor. Right. I think they started him on the floor, had him whip his head up and then whip it down again. Right. Personally, I might be wrong. I hope they put a cushion under his head. And played the... Uh, well, you can't see the floor, so he might actually be up here somewhere. Ah, that's true. Um... And while they did it, they played Willow Smith. So I whip my hair back and forth. I whip my hair back and forth. I don't know forth. that one. Good. Lucky you. Thank God. Talk about trash music. Mm. It's Will Smith's daughter. Oh, I like Will Smith. She did a song called I Whip My Hair Back and Forth. And it literally, I believe, I, th- I don't think I've ever actually heard it. I'm sure someone just told me. It literally is just her going, I whip my hair back and forth. I whip my hair back and forth over and over again. Will Smith is insistent that his kids have talent and they don't. Well, I mean, to be he fair... He keeps trying to I'm cram gonna, one of them into movies. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend Will Smith on one matter. <gasps> no, no, wait, wait. Of course he loves his kids and wants to support them. So Halloween contains itself. It's, it's this great opening. I like some of the cinematography. Like I said, the bit... I know we agreed that the bit where he randomly fights Michael is a bit weird, but I kind of like the fact it's all framed in the tunnel. Yeah, it's a really cool framing device. Either that or it's just cartoonish because it also kind of reminded me of Looney Tunes when they bring in the circle at the end. I kind of expected Michael to pop out and be like, that's all, folks. Michael is dead right Let's Let's talk about the first scene where Corey and Michael meet and they kill the the cop. The cop who is well too old to be dating Alison. Yeah, he's like, he's clearly in his 50s and he's mates well, with Well, I don't think 50s. He's I, in his I early guess, 50s. I'd guess early 40s. Mid 40s. No, early 40s. Mid 40s. Early 40s, but he's lived a stressful life as a cop. Mid 40s. The scene where they first kill the guy who's older. This, I remember watching this and being struck. And I'm not usually one of these people who's like, oh, this means that and it means that on a first viewing. But I was watching, I was like, this is clearly some sort of homoerotic symbolism here. Like, it, it so clearly is from the way, the, the way it happens. Like, so Corey, Michael's too weak to kill the guy. Yeah. So Corey is laying on his back holding this victim right up to his chest, looking at Michael, and he's going, do it, do it, do it. And Michael comes walking up, and he's like, you know, limping, and he's all fucked up. And the knife comes up slowly, and it plunges down. And then he does the thing where he orgasms, basically, um, where he's, like, trembling and stuff. And it's just got this weird homoeroticness to it. I mean, I didn't read any, well, I suppose, you know. I, I I do wonder if maybe we're reading more homoerotic or you're reading more homoerotic because you did this with split second as well. Possibly, but homo- you were like sharing a cigar is a blowjob reference, and then now you're like stroking his, his ear. 
Stroking his ear was a bit Split queer. second was more gay than this is. It, it, it definitely was. Yeah, um, but there is a long history of reading homoeroticness into villains in horror. Um, right. it's, it's not necessarily a proud tradition. Because the, <laughs> because the implication is that they're always the villain. Um, but seriously, like as, as I show you more horror films, you'll, you will see that queer coding I think, is in so many horror movies. Honestly, I think Michael Myers must be bi because he doesn't mind penetrating anyone. With his knife. Well, this is the thing. So I, because I remember saying in uni once, you know, a knife doesn't always have to be a penis. Sometimes a knife is just a knife. And one of the lecturers agreed with me. He's like, yeah, sometimes it's just because you want to do a film where someone stabs people um, with his penis. <laughs> yeah, there's been lots of stuff written by like Laura Mulvey and people like that about how horror slasher movies in particular are always a metaphor for rape. Because it's a big, burly male killer with an attachment. And there is a lot of times in a lot of slashes where they're like, oh, the, there's a suggestion that the killer is impotent. Mm. And that's where their rage comes from. That's not the case with Michael Myers. With Michael Myers, he's just silent. Yeah, also it's psychotic. not the case with Corey because we see he has performed admirably and, for Alison. Well, we, no, we don't know that. We well, don't know that they, they have They were sex. in bed. Yeah, yeah, but they could have just slept together. What, naked? Yeah. After running up the stairs together, giggling like school... Oh, fuck off, man. They clearly had sex. What I'm saying is we don't have any confirmation. We, we imply that they did, but there's no confirmation. I need to see a load on the sheets. Oh, dude. <laughs> dude, or like torn, you've been watching too much porn. Or a torn condom wrapper. No, I'm watching... I, I'm bringing about my... <laughs> I am beginning my career as a director where all my films are going to be intensely erotic. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please. Just you wait till I'm winning awards and shit. Paul Verhoeven will love me. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Um, and they're always killing women. Now, mm. to be fair, to be fair, this is where you're right, and this is where I disagree with Laura Mulvey and academics like that. They conv- they always conveniently forget that there are male victims in these Yeah. Um, so the cop in these films is definitely is definitely male. Yeah, well, take the DJ's any fr- male. take any Friday the Thirteenth movie. The doctor's male. Usually, there's an even number of men and women that Jason kills. Roughly right. even. It's always a girl who survives. Right. Nearly always, um, because it's a uh, women make a. It's generally considered that women are better as protagonists in horror movies because they're at a disadvantage. You, yeah, well, physical. It, there's a consideration that women have a physical disadvantage, but there's also the fact that when a woman screams, there is uh, an innate f- feeling of wanting to protect them, which yeah. you don't get with men. If you see a man scream, in fact, men are emasculated for showing any form of fear in a dangerous so, situation. We are going to watch. So the... it's mocked rather so it... than, yeah. you know, you don't sit there and go, that man's screaming, we better help him. No so one cares. We are going to watch the perfect example of this. And I'm sorry to divulge topic for a minute, but hopefully fans will like this because it is still horror film related. At some point, I am going to show you a Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge. Right. Freddy's Revenge is an incredibly unusual slasher film in that it is a slasher film in which the main protagonist is a man um it's also the only freddy film where freddy's motive is not to kill the main character it is to possess them right um elm street 2 was absolutely destroyed on release like fans were like this is garbage what is this why is it a bloke he's so weird he's so feminine uh he's even got a feminine name his name's jesse um we all talk about Jesse. And over time, yeah. it's become like it's had like, its critical reevaluation, and people really like Elm Street 2 now. It's really weird. Um, and it is, it's a massive example of this queer coding as, as evil thing. Um, because basically, Jesse is, not to spoil it for you, but basically, Jesse is this teenage boy. In the 80s, we're talking the height of the AIDS pandemic here. The actor playing him actually was gay, but wasn't out at the time. Um, And I think the writer was gay as well. Uh, Because the director, the director claims he had no idea there was all this gay subtext in the script. It's not subtext. (laughs) It's text. Like, his recurring nightmare that he keeps having at the beginning is he keeps going to a gay BDSM bar. (laughs) Yeah, where they're all in, like, leather and chains and shit. And his PE teacher is like a drill sergeant type character who I know has been in like Star Trek and shit before, so you'll recognize him. Um, 
he finds him at the gay bar and he takes this boy, this young teenage boy, he gets off on like making them do extra push-ups and things like that because he the implication being that he's perving over their hot sweaty young bodies. Right. In the nightmare, he then takes Jesse to back to school and makes him strip naked in the showers. And when that happens, when he is presented with this moment of erotic fantasy for a person who might not know they're gay and they're suddenly maybe having a sexy dream about their dominant BDSM teacher, Jesse transforms into Freddy Krueger. Right. And kills the PE teacher. Later on, he goes to stay at his friend's house because he doesn't want to sleep alone, just like Nancy did with Johnny Depp in the first one. Mm. And his friend is laying there in bed. He's in bed. There's these two young boys in a room together. One of them, obviously, the implication is that he may or may not be gay, turns into Freddy. Every time he's put in a position where he might have a gay reaction, Freddy comes out. Right. And when he's Freddy, he is overly... Uh, heterosexual to the point where he's, he's basically trying to rape there's a lead girl in it as well and he basically is nearly raping her there's this awful bit where like his tongue comes out and it's really long and he's like licking around her face and stuff um, and he like bites her leg and shit um, it's a really interesting film Elm Street 2 is um, and it's it's weird because it's one of those films no one knew was interesting at the time Right. Um, everyone seemed to miss it yeah, but it's always given as an example of why male protagonists don't work in horror, which is not true. They can work, but you're right. Women, it works better. Terminator is a great example of another genre. Yep. Terminator 1 and Terminator 2 work so much because the Terminator is coming after Linda Hamilton. If you've got fucking... And the only it, reason it works with John um, John Connor is in the kid. second one is because he's a child. Yeah. If you've got, um, like in Genesis, where it's the Terminator coming after Jai fucking Courtney? Jai Courtney, big buff Jai Courtney. No one gives a shit. That's not scary anymore. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no. Um, anyway, sorry. So that, <laughs> that was my kind of weird homoerotic reading of this a little bit. Um I'm not necessarily. I'm not necessarily saying that was intentional. I might be reading too much into it. I feel like we've really gone off topic a lot this episode. No, not really, because we've been talking, trying to talk about the symbolism of the movie. Do you think maybe we're reading too much into it? I, I feel like David Gordon Green's intention with the, with his trilogy. Mm. I feel like his intention very much was to elevate above the slasher genre. Yeah, whether he succeeds or not is a different issue. I think that's why I like it. But um, mm. Halloween Kills, which is the most slasher of the three, is my least favourite. Mm. Um, whereas it probably be the other way around. Most people probably think sla- Halloween Kills no. is the best one. Kills is quite badly seen as well. Oh, okay. Uh, 2018 was very well received. 2018 is the best one. Uh, the, the, the reason Kills... Some people do like Kills. Gorehounds like Kills. Mm. The reason people don't like Kills is that's not a Michael Myers character. I know this is going to sound stupid to you, and it kind of sounds stupid to me, and I'm saying it. There is a difference between Michael Myers and Jason. Not much of one. They're both big men in masks, and they don't talk, and they kill people. I grant you there is not a big difference. It's a stylistic difference. Jason is the one who just goes around and murders, murders, murders. He's super brutal with his hands. Lots of neck snaps, lots of ripping people's limbs off. Michael has always been more, when he's at his best, Michael is a spectre. My my most commonly associated image of Michael, if you say to me Michael Myers, the image I always think of is the bit in the first one when Laurie Strode is leaning against the closet and he fades out of the darkness over her shoulder. Right. That's what I imagine of Michael. When I imagine Jason, I imagine Jason kicking down the door of a cabin you know, he's a big muscular yeah. dude with a machete. There, there is a difference to them. That when we watch them Friday the 13th... So you Jason might never has a supernatural slant to it. Oh, no, he always does. Jason is very much supernatural. So the, 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 there's, a key, there's so, a key difference in their backstory, which is Michael Myers, it is implied, is born evil. Mm. Um, we're discounting the Rob Zombie ones for now because it's, it's a different backstory in the Rob Zombie one. Mm. 
in this, we see in that original one that at six years old, for seemingly no reason, he picks up a knife, murders his sister. Yeah. Right? He's evil. And Dr. Loomis has that speech where he goes, I met this six-year-old boy with the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. Great speech. I love it. I've literally done it as a monologue for a play once, uh, as an audition piece. Jason is a victim. Jason is a child. So remember, Jason is not the killer in the original Friday the 13th. Uh, yeah, Jason is not the killer in the first Friday the 13th. Right. Um, Jason is born with a with a severe deformity. Uh, he's got, um, oh, God, I can't wait, it's called hydro, uh, hydrocephalism, right. which is water on the brain. Right. So he's got a big head. Right. Um, and his face is kind of smushed and he's a bit shivery and whatnot. And his mum works at a summer camp. And then he went and found the fucking gym. So, well, <laughs> this is where Friday the 13th doesn't really work. Jason uh, comes to work with her because she's a single mum. And all the other kids at the camp bully him. The camps, uh, One day, the kids shove him in the lake and he can't swim and he drowns. And Mrs. Voorhees, his mum, she's the killer in the original Friday the 13th. Right. So it was never Jason. Do you remember a in bit of a Beowulf situation? Yeah. Going do you remember on? we watched Scream and the killer catches Drew Barrymore out by saying, "Name the killer in Friday the Thirteenth," and she goes, "Jason," and he goes, "Wrong answer. Jason didn't turn up till the sequel." Right. Um, she's killing the counselors because she blames them for not watching him closely enough. Sure. Um, she dies obviously at the end of the second one, at, at the end of the first one. And in the second one, Jason turns up fully grown as the killer. And the thing that you're asked to suspend your disbelief and believe is that Jason somehow survived driving, drowning, because he's not supernatural yet. Survived drowning, washed up on the other side of the lake, and lived as a feral animal until he grew up big and strong. Didn't just walk back to the uh, camp. Uh, a severely deformed, disabled, uh, mentally challenged boy. Yeah. Did that. Jason eventually does become supernatural because they, they kill they full on kill him and then bring him back by stabbing a lightning rod into his body and it gets struck by lightning and he resurrects. Right. Um this is why in Freddy versus Jason, Jason is the sympathetic of the two because he at least has a sympathetic backstory. Freddy Krueger is a pedophile. Yeah. Um, and there is a really good bit. It's one of the best bits in it where Jake, Fre Freddy can't beat Jason of us because Jason is physically stronger than Freddy mm. until Freddy realizes what Jason's afraid of because that's Freddy's wheelhouse. Yeah. He realizes Jason is scared of water and he digs. There's this brilliant bit where he, he turns, they're in the dream world at this point. He turns Jason back into the bullied child. And he's right. like there shivering and cold and Freddy starts digging his claw into his head and he's like, let's see what really scares you. And he goes and you get a flashback to the original Friday the 13th yeah. where he gets pushed into the lake. Um, when we watch Friday, I'm not going to make you watch all the Friday the 13th because no, they're not worth watching them all. But when you watch them, you'll notice there's a difference. Friday the 13th, I'm going to be, criti be criticised here. The original Halloween is artsy because it's got a very talented filmmaker behind it. Friday the 13th has never really... Friday the 13th has always been Wish.com Halloween. Right. It's Halloween made by people who are not as talented as John Carpenter. Sure. Um, it's always been more reliant on its gore, whereas the original Halloween, there's no gore in it. It's not really... It's reliant film, on yeah. suspense. Yeah. Um, that's the difference. In Halloween Kills... Michael is much more like Jason. That's very Jason to just keep walking while you're being shot and stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't like that in villains, to be honest. That unstoppable. It, it, like, I'd li I like there to be the fact... It's a hard thing to pull off. It can work. It works in Terminator 1. Terminator 1, it's brilliant. Terminator 1, I saw when I was a kid, and it's so scary when you're a kid. But it makes more sense in Terminator 1, because he's a robot man. Oh, yeah. but Which is obviously more logical than a supernatural man. <laughs> gonna say at that, at that point we are just doing semantics yeah there. no i just realized no, that's yeah. my bad um <laughs> one thing i will say about this film um is that it felt to me like there was an unfortunate at least i got an unfortunate read from it a little bit or at least something that they could have resolved more the town never suffer for their bullshit and the thing is is like so let me let me explain 
uh, Corey is a sympathetic villain. He didn't need uh, to be a villain. Yeah, right? He's if a they... sympathetic villain until the film forgets that he's a sympathetic villain and suddenly he just becomes a villain. Yeah, because... And you're like, wait, why? What happened? Yeah, and it's because they, like the idea, I think, is that he, after the kids pushed him off the bridge and tried to kill him, uh, he just cracked and the, the, the presence of Michael Myers did the rest. Now... I don't like the idea that, you know, because someone's bullied, they therefore equal mass murderer. But, you know what? If we're going with it, okay. And he suffers for the murders that he does, and he gets his comeuppance and things like that. Fine. We're building on the fact that there is an innate evil in him, which he's been trying to fight against, which comes out because of the presence of Mike Myers. Okay. Um, But... Let's be clear, none of that would have come out. Like, he accident- like the death of the kid at the beginning is pure accident. It's shown to be pure accident. So he's not evil in that act. No. He's unfortunate. And he's shown to be a prat. He keeps on nearly getting hit by vehicles as he's riding his bikes. Um, he's a complete tool, really. Uh, a- an accident-prone tool. But anyway, the point is, is this is someone who has spent years, the four years since the death of the child being absolutely hammered by society, becoming a recluse, and not murdering anyone. And when he starts showing his face again, the town start going for him. They start beating him, they start assaulting him. Uh, this group of fucking band players, or what's it called? The fucking band geeks. Band which geeks. Is, which is hilarious. It's, that is the funniest thing this film it's does. It's stupid. Anyway. Like, it's because it's if so anything, traditional. Should... Yeah. It's so traditional for the bullies to be the jocks. It's so But they're dressed like jocks. Well, the main guy's dressed like a jock. Well, he might be, but the other one is definitely dressed oh, like yeah, yeah, a band yeah. geek. She's got the band uniform yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's mm. so funny because I, I just feel like that's such a commentary on how roles have kind of reversed in the last few years sure and there's a lot of people who because the reason jocks classically were bullied was because they were physically stronger than everyone now we live in a world where physical strength is almost irrelevant in an online world Mm. because now all your power is in online and what you can spread online about people and that has brought out a very nasty side in a certain subset of people who once upon a time would have been victims of bullying and have now become the bullies yeah um which is a fascinating topic i'd love to do a film about that yeah it doesn't really lean into that though it just puts people in a band uniform who would otherwise have been dressed as jocks yeah Except but, none of them are built like jocks. The all, main guy is. No, he's not. He's way skinnier than oh, Corey he's, is. Uh, he's not way skinnier. Mate, he's he about is. the same size. Mate, that jacket buries him. Under that jacket, uh, that I man think, is real thin. No, I, I, I think you're overstating that. But anyway, okay, fine, whatever. He's not built like a brick shithouse like normal jocks mm. are in 80s versions he's of not, this thing. He's not Chris Klein in American Pie. No. Mm, who fucking cares about American Pie? Anyway, so we've... <laughs> but you know what I meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you meant. Anyway, my point was, we've had this whole thing where you've got this guy who's basically an unfortunate victim of circumstance mm. being bullied the shit out of... He's trying to live a decent life despite it, and he gets basically near murdered. And that's when he meets Michael Myers, and that's when he cracks. Now, you could continue that plot thread, and yes, he gets revenge on the bullies later on in the film, but society as a whole keep on beating him down. Yeah, the, the town never... You're right, the town never and suffers. They, yeah, and then in the end, it's like, oh, we're going to follow the body of Michael Myers, and so, yeah, we finally did it. It's like, no, well, fuck you the all. The, the, fuck you. That's the, why that yeah. should have been... the Halloween Kills should have been the third one. Because yeah. then it should have been like, no, you're all fucking scum, and everyone in this town deserves to suffer yeah. from the fear that it generated. Yeah, well, the the implication is, and this is what I don't like, is the implication is the whole reason they do that parade, and she specifically says, let them all see it, is that the idea is that seeing that Michael has died for definite... Will end the fear. Will end the fear, and they won't put it on to the next person after Corey. That's fine, I get that, but this is a, this is a, a, a mob that literally led to a man dying in the last film. Yep, outside the hospital. Um, who was a mentally challenged man. Yep, who was asking for help. Yeah. Um, 
in this film basically leads to everything bad happening yep. because they drive Corey to the edge yep. um, over an accident. Yep. And I, what I do like is this film does have a little bit where they talk about apathy because there's a bit where you meet the dad of the kid that died. And he's got this bit where he, he says to them, I, I never blamed Corey. Like, I always thought he was a good kid. I knew it was an accident, but I've never said anything to him. And by the time he finally does say something to me, it's too late. Corey has become Michael at this point. Yeah. And he just drives off. And I love that they included that because it's this suggestion of if you'd have just reached out to him, if you'd have just said to him, like, I know this wasn't your fault, that might have been the difference between him snapping and him not snapping. Yeah. Just having that one olive branch offered to him yep um so i'm really glad that they included that because i feel like that is a very good metaphor for people who actually are in situations like this yeah not not necessarily with murder but um, no but people in, in who general are in desperate situations who are struggling with mental health or depression or things like that and certainly people who are um stigmatized i suppose by yeah. society or shunned yeah. in some horrendous way sometimes for things that aren't even their own fault yeah um, having that one branch offered to you can make all the difference um, uh, they should have capitalized on that a bit more. Yeah. Um, so overall, I have mixed feelings about this film. I don't hate it. No. I, I think it's I think it's in the wrong place in the series. Yeah. Um, and I think they did a real shitty thing by marketing it the way they did. Yeah. Knowing full well that that wasn't what the film is. Yeah, that's just up. That no one. That was a fuck you to the fans to only have that little amount of her versus Mike Myers when that's all your marketing campaign. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, he's dead for now. He'll come back because you cannot kill the boogeyman, as everyone knows. Yeah. Is um, it, I, I would watch this film again. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily watch Halloween Kills... Again, unless I really had to. Yeah. Halloween 2018 is the best one out of the series so far that I've seen. I yeah, actually prefer I, it to the first one. Yeah, I, I prefer the first one. That's fair enough. Um, I, I just I don't think any of them are shot as well as the first one. See, that's the I thing love. that I really like about 2018. I think it's shot better. I do think it's shot well, but that first one, I, I, am, I mean, I am in. That is one of my favourite shot films of all time. That's the fair original enough. Halloween. It's, yeah. I love the you. I, I think as well because you just would not get a film shot that way these days. Because these days, no studio will let you leave a shot lingering for that long. Sure. I love that it's just these long lingering shots. And like, you'll just see Michael Myers just randomly standing next to a bush in the street, staring at them. And they're like, what is that? They did have a little bit of that in this, though. There was one shot when the uh, cop goes down into the sewer where you'd never noticed before that Michael Myers is actually visible in the back of the shot in the dark. Um, I liked that. Yeah. yeah just like, <laughs> he, the guy missed him, but we can still see him. That's yeah. a really cool idea. I like that. I liked that. Um, anyway. That's all I got. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us as we've gone through David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Next week, on our uh, final week of our Halloween spectacular, we will be reviewing, I'll be subjecting Rory to the two Rob Zombie Halloween films. Well, we're still doing Halloween. Yeah, yeah, it's all... Ha- our Halloween special this year is all Halloween movies. But I've given you... Like, every time we do VGMP's Halloween weeks, we always do something really different. Like, It Came From The Desert. Which, Halloween fans, you'll love It Came From The Desert. Yeah, but I, I wanted to do this experiment... <laughs> I'm lying. I wanted to do this experiment where you haven't seen the original timeline. Sure. Um, so you're going to see the Rob Zombie timeline now. Uh, it's incredibly different. It's not good, <laughs> but it's very different. I can say that. Um, he, I like Rob Zombie as a guy. He seems like a very good creative guy and fair play. He always makes what he wants to make. I don't think, despite the fact he claims he's a massive Michael Myers fan, I don't think he understood what made the Michael Myers character great because you would not make the film he's made if you, if you did. Interesting. So we'll set, but that's not till next week, ladies and gentlemen. Can I just ask before we go? In the Rob Zombie ones, does There's a lot of swearing? Yes. Oh no, no. But does Michael Mar- Myers ever um, slam in the back of his Dragula? You're gonna cut that, aren't you? No. <laughs> Yay! No, we're just gonna let it go out to silence like this now. Hey, they just put. Um, no, he does not slam in the back of his Dracula. Yes, there is a lot of classic rock in the soundtracks, though. Nice. Um, and yes, 
suburbanite Chicago suburbanite families use the C word a lot because it's a Rob Zombie script and he only knows how to swear. Okay. Um, also, Dr. Loomis is played by Malcolm McDowell, which is one of the only high points of it. Nice. Um, I mean, I still miss Donald Pleasance, but Malcolm McDowell's a very good actor as well. He was good in Star Trek, even though his role was written a bit garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great Halloween. We'll see you next time.